Coming up on Let's Clear the Air. After watching what's happened with Russia and Ukraine, the fears over what happens if people run out of gas, I'm more invigorated than ever that, you know, we are going to play a central role in the evolution of the energy industry. Welcome to the Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast. Conversations focused on how some of the world's top energy leaders are innovating to deliver clean, affordable, and reliable energy for the future. Your hosts are energy and climate expert, Dr. Andrew Parker, and midstream industry veteran, Adam Murray. Now, here are Andrew and Adam. Thanks for joining us on Let's Clear the Air uh, podcast. We are here with Andrew Parker and Adam Murray, as usual, along with Ryan Rudnitsky. Did I say that correctly? You nailed it. Thank you. Perfect. Yes. They, they, they challenge us from time to time. So appreciate you being on. How's it going today? It's going great. I always love being at the convention. So appreciate you guys having, having me on. I've listened to a, a few of the podcasts and been very impressed. So glad what you're doing what you're doing. So let's clear the air. We always ask a, a little icebreaker, and uh, I'm going to ask you an icebreaker that you may or may not find amusing. Um, uh, Ryan, what do you think of the job Coach Prime is doing in Boulder? <laughs> uh, I think he likes to talk a lot about the job he's doing in Boulder, so is that, does that give you an idea? I don't know. I mean... I've always been a, a Buffaloes fan, so uh, let's just see how it goes, right? So I'm a, I'm a CU alum, and yeah. I'm almost getting to the verge of kind of being sick of it. Like it's like the the hype is kind of like it's like okay, this is fun. It's great to be relevant again, but like, can we just like slow the roll a little bit? Rushing the field when you're a 23 point favorite is a little bit overdue. <laughs> yeah, I mean like the the. <laughs> That game was the Colorado State game, though was pretty spicy. So it I was, mean, there, there, there's 20 years of being terrible that's being purged in about a month's time. So I think it's it's fair if they, yeah. I mean, they're probably going to storm the field every game they win in Boulder this year. Just, just sure. be honest. <laughs> anyway, well, moving forward, moving uh, moving on. Ryan, you are currently the North American sales manager for Waukesha. That's correct. And also uh, the incoming president of the GPSA midstream. Tell us a little bit about uh, your journey and your career. How did you get to kind of both of those positions? Sure. Uh, great question. So uh, my background is mechanical engineering. Uh, I did my bachelor's and master's at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, Go Badgers. No, no accent there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just pump a drink or two on me, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I did, did my mechanical engineering degrees there, uh, studied engines, and uh, found out that there was a natural gas engine company right around the corner in Waukesha, which was 35 minutes from where I grew up. So got a job there out of school and spent my first decade working in engineering, went and got my uh, MBA from University of Chicago, and then uh, wanted to get to the commercial side. So. Somehow ended up in sales. I've been doing that for the last six years. Uh, how I got involved with GPSA was uh, we had a board member uh, who was taking a new role outside of oil and gas. And when I was still in engineering, she uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you should really join this. I know you're still on the engineering side, but you have a commercial focus already. I can see that. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's a great organization. Um, they don't ask too much of you. You kind of can bite off whatever you really want to chew, and she was right. I think I've been doing this since, I think it was the end of 2015. 
And uh, then Jeff Stake, uh, who's the outgoing GPSA president, uh, he and I worked together on the membership committee, which I know, Adam, you're on as well. Appreciate all the contributions. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to be on the track to become president. I said, absolutely, of course. And so I think three years later, and here we are. So just have to avoid buses for the next day, right? <laughs> So Waukesha, what does Waukesha do? What what do you guys sell? Yeah. Maybe share a little bit about, about what Waukesha does. Yeah, so what we do at Waukesha is we build engines that only run on natural gas. Um, and that's from about 500 horsepower up to 5,000 horsepower. Our primary application is driving gas compressors. So, you know, any anytime you need to move gas from point A to point B, you need to typically compress it to get down a pipeline. And so uh, we work on the upstream side and like gas lift applications, a little bit of wellhead compression, but most of our business is in midstream. Uh, we are doing gathering and boosting, some gas processing, uh, a little bit of uh, transmission work. Uh, we also work on the power generation side. So uh, made a lot of news with Crusoe Energy because we're the engine driving the generator that's turning flare gas into power. Um, and we're pretty uniquely suited for that because we can run on a lot of uh, field gases and so on. So uh, it's, it's pretty convenient for them. They can basically just take gas that would be destined for a flare and actually turn it into useful electrons. So uh, that's in a nutshell what we've been doing. I think we're coming up on 120 years in business and probably 50, 60 years in the gas patch at least. So Excellent. Yeah. As far as the future of the industry goes, kind of what's your what's your forward-thinking path as far as the natural gas business and, and where Waukesha is looking to go? Well, I think that's changed a lot over the last few years. Um, I think there's been a renewed appreciation for energy security. Certainly, I mean, I think when we had a lot of time sitting at our houses during COVID, I think a lot of people were, you know, assessing where they were at in their careers, you know, and in, in life. And I, I certainly was, I'm about halfway through my career, asking myself, hey, can I retire in this in this field? Because I want to, right? I, I'm really passionate about the industry, just as, as you two are. Um, and so I, after watching what's happened with Russia and Ukraine, after seeing what's happened with Europe and the fears over what happens if people run out of gas, um, I'm more invigorated than ever that, you know, we are going to play a, a central role in the evolution of the energy industry, right? So we're an enabling technology that allows other forms of energy to play their role without falling on their face, so to speak. So, uh, you know, when the sun, sun goes down or when the wind stops blowing, we're right there to pick up the load and uh, we're really enabling technology for, for other people. And in the meantime, I know, Andrew, you work on this a lot when you're not podcasting. I mean, there's a lot of work that we can do as an industry to continue to reduce our environmental footprint. So on one hand, we're maximizing the efficiency of our own operations. On the other hand, we're allowing other technologies to help meet increasing demands, not just for decarbonization, but also for increased energy demand. So, so, so you yeah. said that you guys are an enabling technology. And so maybe for people who aren't, you know, super familiar with the oil field, I mean, so you have these engines, you have these, you know, compressor stations and the engines burning natural gas, natural, you know, there's an exhaust there. Mm -hmm. Like maybe talk a little bit more about what Waukesha has done to limit the emissions and, and get these engines to burn cleaner so that their carbon footprint's reduced. 
Yeah, appreciate appreciate the question because that's what I talk about most of the time, yeah. right? So, <laughs> um, so when if you're selecting a compression package, you have a few choices, right? Certainly, there are people who are looking at electric motor driven compression because uh, you know that the emissions happen somewhere else, and sometimes it's not on your uh, on your ledger, so to speak. Although people are getting more sophisticated as far as including that scope scope two versus scope one and so on. But certainly, EMDs are one option. Um, if you get into the gas engine driver, which has historically been the most popular one, at least in the, the horsepower classes we play in. Um, typically, there's two major technologies that are out there today, a, a lean burn engine and a rich burn engine, and we sell both. Um, Can you tell us the difference between those two for yeah, the listeners? Yes, thank you. Uh, so uh, a lean burn engine, essentially, I'd say is very similar to a diesel engine that you would see on a truck today. So it, it actually, the way that it operates is it, it runs very... It runs with a, a higher air fuel ratio than what is nece necessary in order to combust. So if you were to lay out an equation that said, I have one molecule of methane, how much air do I need to fully combust that molecule of methane? That's referred to stoichiometric, that, that's a stoichiometric equation, mm -hmm. okay? And so we call engines that run at stoichiometry rich burn engines because who wants to say stoichiometry all the time, right? Absolutely. And they actually it run very fun slightly. To say, though, yeah, like I, stoichiometry. Yeah. Well, I'm a nerd, right? So I, I like it. So, but, uh, so yeah, essentially th that's what we're doing with rich burn engines. They're running basically stoichiometric, but they, they call them rich because they run just slightly rich of stoich to make sure that the combustion is complete, okay? Because nothing ever happens perfectly. Lean burns almost take at least nowadays to meet emission standards, they take almost double the amount of air that a stoichiometric engine would. And that works well because, at least historically, that limits the amount of after-treatment that you need uh, in order to meet emissions regulations. One of the challenges, though, lately is with the shale revolution and with people drilling for, you know, getting associated gas for oil-directed drilling or trying to drill in higher BTU shale plays to get NGLs, what you're, happening, what you're seeing is people want to run on that fuel, and that fuel can be very difficult on a lean burn after treatment system. So mm -hmm. rich burns are good because, first of all, they're combusting more completely. So you're getting lower methane emissions, you're getting lower VOC emissions, lower NOx. But they also work with a non-selective catalyst reduction system or a three-way catalyst, as we know. So that, that's what most engines on, uh, on the road today are, are doing, is they're running stoichiometric plus three-way catalyst. That's what anything that's not a diesel probably is running. Uh, so, so that's the difference. I don't, it was a little convoluted, I apologize, but we're at Waukesha, kind of our claim to fame is, is making a lot of rich burn engines. So we're becoming a lot more popular with uh, the changes to the or proposed changes to the greenhouse gas reporting uh, emissions factors for engines. Um, those show that uh, rich burns are about 11 times lower than lean burns. So people that are worried about their methane tax bill coming up are starting to look a lot harder at our technologies to, as a way to reduce their methane emissions levels and their tax bills. I know you've gone around and you're the one who kind of presents for Waukesha and obviously mm -hmm. you are involved in the GPSA. What are some technologies maybe outside of the Waukesha world that you're that you're coming across and that you're excited to see in our industry? Well, I certainly think a lot of the leak detection work that's being done out there, whether it's flyovers, satellites, uh, or, I mean, long path type stuff, I think that's all very interesting. I'm, I'm far from an expert on that. I'm very much focused on the package. 
Um, but I think that's interesting and it could be some of the lower hanging fruit uh, because at the end of the day, there's only so much money and resources available to go and chase a lot of these issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think some of the work that WeltFit's doing with uh, reducing compressor blowdowns is very interesting. I think uh, BHE compression services with you know trying to do the best to either limit emission sources, whether using electric or air start as opposed to a gas start, or trying to capture fugitive emissions from the package and then reroute them um, to a VRU or maybe to other sources to combust. Mm -hmm. I think that's very interesting. I think dual drive is very interesting. The concept of having both an engine driver and an electric driver coupled to a compressor where you can basically decide depending on what the energy situation is, if you want to run on electricity or run on gas, it's, a, it's also a grid firming opportunity there. So there's, there's a lot out there. I mean, challenges drive innovation, right? Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things we can touch on with the technology side. Um, what, um, you know, you also talk about regulations quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Are there any um, regulations on the on your radar, on the industry's radar that, that are going to be coming up? I mean, there's some obvious ones with the IRA and things like that, but what what ones do you think will have the biggest impact? Yeah, I mean, certainly we're following what's happening with not just the IRA, but also the proposed changes to the greenhouse gas reporting uh, program, because even though they're linked because they happened at the same time, they are True. separate, yeah. right? Um, but one certainly will dictate the other, especially depending on how they decide to measure methane slip or, or report it. Um, I think there's something going on north of the border in Canada where they're looking at methane regulations. I think it's ECCC is, uh, is what's being talked about where I've heard they're throwing around maybe requiring less than one gram of methane uh, one gram per brake horsepower hour of methane for any compressor drive out there, which certainly is ambitious. We can achieve it, but it's it's pretty difficult mm -hmm. if you're a lean burn driver. Yeah, no, the 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 reporting greenhouse gas reporting rules will be a a landmark, I think, change. Do you you're you're involved with some of the committees? I think right. Like, what what are some of the changes that people should expect with those when they when that that program comes out? Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I am, uh, I'd say, a, a onlooker for the GPA effort, which I will say uh, the, the people working on that committee are fantastic, organized, knowledgeable. Um, I won't plug anyone by name because then I'll forget somebody and you know, I don't <laughs> want to snub anybody, but they know who they are. Uh, I think what people need to watch out for, certainly, I mean, if you look back at the current greenhouse gas reporting emission factors for engines. I mean, they, they don't discriminate between technologies and they're, I'd say, lower at least. I, I think they undercount at an industry level what's coming out of the stack, right? So if that goes forward as proposed, that's certainly going to have an impact on methane emission calculations and fees. Um, I think what's very interesting to track is if what's what was originally proposed is going to push through as far as, you know, the way that they calculate it is just going to be, you know, tell me how much gas you've burned, tell me how much gas you've moved, and, you know, this is your emission factor depending on which technology you're using, and put them all together and that's your, your methane tax. What I've heard potentially proposed is they may allow field testing, so, you know, put something in the stack, tell me how much methane's coming out of there. They may allow manufacturer data, 
So if you can get a performance run from one of the engine OEMs, including ours, you can use that in lieu of an emission factor. Um, I think that remains to be seen what ultimately happens, but that certainly will have an impact on uh, not just what people are paying for their methane tax bill, but also how much companies are going to want to innovate to try to help people reduce methane tax bills. There could be some unintended consequences depending on which direction they go. Mm-hmm. The regulatory piece is crazy, Adam. Blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it gets a little complicated, right? I'm trying to find ways to explain to people kind of how these affect uh, change in the industry, but also pricing of all of our product, right? I mean, it, in the end, it, it's a cost, um, and, it, and it matters to everything yeah. that we do. So. To that end, um, you mentioned you know, we're on the membership committee together for the mm-hmm. for the GPA GPSA. Um, you know, switching gears a little bit, why would why would someone listening want to get involved with either a local chapter or the national chapter, um, and and maybe even attend the national conference like this as a GPA or GPSA member? Well, there's, uh, it's something we've all been talking about and thinking about over the past day or so, and we'll, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, I'd break it down maybe into three pieces, right? Certainly the advocacy, we just got done talking about this, right? So there's uh, GPSA members that are anywhere from one to two people, like as a company size, up to an excess of thousands of, of people as, as oil and gas employees, right? And the ability for each and every company to advocate for their needs, you know, varies widely depending on how big the company is and what their budgets are. So to be able to work together on common goals uh, is a huge benefit to member companies. Uh, and, and sometimes it's, it's difficult, right? Not all interests align. Sometimes one company will advocate for one thing and vice versa. But I think we've done a pretty good job to kind of parse through that and say, okay, we all can agree on this, that, and and the other, right? So advocacy is very important. Um, Technical education, I think, is also extremely important. So you talk to some of the operating companies, you know, uh, Bill Ward at Superior was just talking about this in a meeting today, right? So where they see the value is GPA, GPA and GPSA working together to train new employees. Because you may have somebody that's come right out of school and understands mechanical engineering or chemical engineering, but they may not understand uh, the oil and gas industry, midstream processing. Exactly. So we provide a very important service with the education that's provided. And then the third thing, of course, is networking, right? I'm I'm in business development. Uh, I've met a ton of people at GPA. And so it's, it's been invaluable for me in my career. Well, every guest we have, we ask the same question to kind of wrap things up. So it's three years from now, and you're back on our podcast. (laughs) And things are going good, personally, professionally, industry-wise. What's happened in the past three years that would make you happy? Wow. Uh, That's a real loaded question. (laughs) Uh, I would say I'm going to focus on the industry, right? So again, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm, I'm hoping that there's a sustained appreciation for what we do, right? Unfortunately, and I think Joel talked about this uh, during the lunch keynote, uh, the better we do our job, the easier it is to, I think, appreciate us less, right? So people don't uh, appreciate the power until it goes out or the heat until their furnace kicks out or whatever. So 
but but we also are seeing increased build out of LNG uh, terminals, and I, I think as we see more and more gas getting distributed globally, uh, we're going to see more demand domestically. And so, for me, in three years, if we continue to to build out and kind of feed the world with affordable, flexible, and uh, environmentally responsible gas, I think we're going to be in really good shape. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. We really appreciate you taking the time during this busy conference, and uh, we look forward to having you on in three years and having the same discussion again, <laughs> maybe at the end of your GPSA uh, presidency <laughs> or, or chair position. Yeah, it's only a year, but hey, I very, very, very much appreciate you both having me on. It's an honor, so thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for listening to the Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast with Adam Murray and Dr. Andrew Parker. If you like what you have heard, subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app. You can email us with questions or comments to Let's Clear the Air Energy Podcast at gmail.com.